Hey, thanks for joining us on the Home Improvement Podcast. We're currently in a series called Knotted, How to Strengthen Your Marriage, and we've looked at reasons why marriages fail. So weeks one and two, we looked at threats one through four that seek to threaten our marriage and to push us towards isolation. And this week, we're going to wrap up part three, looking at the fifth threat. I'm really excited about this one. I think it's going to hit home for most people. So you won't want to miss the content of today's lesson. Here we go. Lesson number three in this series on why marriages fail, part three. We're looking at five threats, okay, uh, in your marriage. So by way of review, let's look at these things. If you haven't been with us for the last two weeks, it'll help to catch you up just a little bit. You might want to just write down the first four threats, and we're looking at threat number five today. Here's a statement first to give you off. You don't have to write this down, but every marriage is either moving towards oneness or drifting towards isolation, you're never neutral in your marriage. You're either getting closer or you're drifting apart. So if you're intentional about it, you can get closer. If you're on autopilot, you're drifting apart. It's going to happen just because we're two people with busy schedules bound by the laws of sin. Next year, understanding what threatens our marriage will help us to achieve oneness. So here's the five threats. Number one, the first one was difficult adjustments. Maybe this is rearing kids. They're transitioning. You're transitioning they're saving up for cars, they're going off to college, they're doing different things, they're moving out of diapers, praise the Lord, there's always transitions. Um, uh, my wife pulled out two things yesterday, she's like, hey, we're done with this, she's outgrowing them, so we have to post them on Facebook, and it seems like every week we're trying to either buy something off Marketplace or sell something on Marketplace when you have kids that are under the age of two or three. Uh, so it's a great challenge, so difficult adjustments. Threat number two, our culture's pattern. Our culture's pattern, which would not direct towards oneness in marriage, but would rather direct towards autonomy. But we know that autonomy in marriage doesn't work out too well because your lives are wrapped together. You're tied up together. We said this, that the pattern for the world would be a 50-50 partnership. You do half, I'll do half. Uh, a couple of reasons. Anyone remember you want to quickly spit out why the you do 50, I'll do 50 never really works? What are some dangers or some um, pitfalls? Start comparing. Good. You have comparisons constantly, right? So you're always looking at each other with the judgmental, like, eh, you're only doing 40. I'm going to back it off, right? So it, there's never really a, uh, a time where both people are meeting each other. Or let's say this. It's rare where both people are hitting 50% both of the time. Hannah? I actually like what Pastor said whenever we did the premarital counseling with him, that it's actually supposed to be zero or 100. You just don't expect anything from the other person. Right. And you just keep doing 100. You give, right? So the way that God would have it is I look at myself and I make sure, I, you know what, today I'm going to wake up, I'm going to give 100% to my spouse. And I guarantee you, if you go through giving 100%, that will encourage that spouse to do more. Sort of the adage, you get more, you catch more flies with honey, right? And so uh, that's, that's good. And I'm glad that he said that because it's so true. Uh, three, inevitable, uh, threat three is inevitable difficulties. These are hardships of life that come on we all have got them. Your trial is going to be different than my trial, but I guarantee we all have trials. And so um, will that drive you apart or will it pull you together? It depends on uh, if you're going through it with the Spirit of God, letting Him lead with the desire for closeness and oneness, or if you're going through it uh, with selfish outcomes. We looked at this as well, extramarital affairs. This could be several things. Um, this could be of your time. This could be of hobbies. This could be love. This could be a, a fantasy. In other words, you have something played out in your mind or you read uh, or watch television of different love stories as an escape because it's something that's lacking your own. It's basically looking for fulfillment outside of where God intended you to contain that fulfillment, okay? 
Um, so here we are. This brings us to threat number five, uh, which we're going to look at today. But let's look at um, first Genesis chapter number three. And if you know what happens in Genesis number three, it is the fall of man. Now, I want you to think about this way. When God created us, or when God created mankind, we'll say, in the beginning, obviously there's only two people that were ever created or knew what it was like to have perfection. God created uh, a wholeness or a completeness. In other words, uh, each individual was 100% of who they should be, and obviously without sin. When the fall happened, there was a couple of things that got broken. And what's interesting was, is that what got broken in a man is different than what got broken in a woman. And despite what uh, you know, culture says, there's only two genders. So really, there was only two different breaks that happened. God also broke the earth in that um, curse, and we'll see this in a second. And then he also broke um, uh, the beast of the field. He broke the animal kingdom as well. And so it set up a hierarchy, but it also created faults inside us. Okay, If we're talking about geology for a second, all right, what is a fault and what becomes of a fault? Okay, so what's potential to happen along a fault line? Right, a split, earthquake, destruction, some type of thing can arise wrong, okay? Faults that are in our, our personality as a man or as a woman, okay? In other words, their potentials, a fault is this. It's a potential for us to succumb to a temptation to do wrong. It's not something that's wrong because God hasn't created you wrong, okay? But it leaves the door open on certain things, okay? Typically for most guys, the door is more open for you to lose your temper, to respond wrongly, to respond in anger towards things. That door is cracked open or left more open than it is for ladies. We talked about this last week. Not a lot of ladies going to jail because they just beat up their husband. A lot of guys going to jail because they decided to do that to their wife, though, or girlfriend or whoever else, okay? So different genders are more prone to different things. Why? Because that's a fault that they have, a crack that they have, a potential for separation, for damage to occur. So here's where the faults took place. And these faults, by the way, they never get whole until we're made completely whole, which is heaven. And so until that time, what we're doing is we're just trying to live the best that we can, live as godly as we can, putting on the... the, the um, the, the armor of God, okay, and the works of righteousness, the mind of Christ, right, in order to help us to not sin amongst those things. The Bible says of Jesus that he was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without what? Sin. So it's possible for you to be tempted, but to make the right choice. All temptation is, is an option between two doors, doing right or doing wrong. Because of my faults, I'm more slanted to want to take the door to wrong. But it doesn't mean I have to. So when anyone says, man, that's just the way I am. I just lose my temper. You know, that's just the way I am. I just, I just get frustrated about stuff. That's just the way I am. You know, I just, I, you know, I have a, I get mad really quick. And so I just, I swear, you know, whatever. Well, it, it, it might be that we're slanted towards that direction. Yes. But it doesn't mean that we have to be that way. Because there's plenty of people that are learning how to control their thoughts, actions, um, you know, uh, interactions with people because they're living godly. So here we go. This is where it happens. 
Genesis chapter number 3, verse number 10 and 11, and then 12. 12, Adam starts to blame the lady, right? So he says, the woman whom thou gavest me, she did eat and I did eat, so he blames her. Then he turns towards Eve and then uh, verse number 13, and Eve blames the serpent. And so then God starts at the bottom and starts cursing. He curses the serpent in verse 14, which spreads to all uh, animal kingdom, okay? What happens there is they become subservient to us, okay? So now we, we rule over them, right? They're our pets. Uh, we eat them in a lot of cases, some cases, right? Different things like that. So it's, it's lined up now to where they're below us in this chain here, okay? And then look at, uh, and that happens in verse 15. So 16 is where he duels out the punishment. And this is to the lady, verse 16. Unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception, and sorrow shalt thou bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. Now, that makes heads explode right there, okay? But it was a, it was a fault that was, that was built in. He's, he said two things, okay? Your desire is going to be towards your husband, okay? At what age might a little girl start desiring to be a mommy and to have a family and different things like that? Well, like first or second grade. Like if they're going to start playing things, they start playing house. Typically, a guy's not playing house, okay? Or walking around, oh, well, this is my pretend wife, you know, this is whatever, that kind of thing. And so even from early on, and hopefully a girl's first crush is her dad, right? And you start to nurture that and to help her to, to make wise decisions. That's why it's so detrimental for a young lady that grows up maybe without a guy because she's going to try to search and to find. And a lot of times they find the wrong connections, right? Just left to themselves as anybody would because we're all sinners. And they don't find the right connections, okay? And so dads, uh, you know, date your daughters, right? Help them to make wise decisions. Show them what a man should be in ways that they should try to, uh, what they should connect towards, okay? So uh, that's in verse number um, 16. So here's verse number 17. And to Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened to the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree, which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it, cursed the ground for thy sake, and in sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth unto thee, and thou shalt eat of the, of the herb, and then sweat, you'll burn a work, and all this other stuff. So here's what's interesting, okay? So again, young girl, typically first inclinations, right, towards playing house and mommy and all the different things. So in other words, the home is her first desire and love, okay? Now, like it or don't, but you pull a, a young man, second grade, third grade, fourth grade, what do you want to be, whatever, whatever, what do they say? They talk about things, right, that are in relation to their job, career, or work. Wow, man, that's powerful. So what's interesting is, is that the world or the culture, whatever, we try to, to beat this out of us, right? So we try to correct those things. But what's interesting is it's built in the heart of younger uh, of kids, right? So in an innocence, it's built in there. That's when you know that it's built in there from God. So a desire to know and love God, so why kids get saved more. But for a lady, her desire is towards a home life. And that's, by the way, that's a great desire. Does that mean she can never, oh, that means she can never work? No, she can go and work. There's gonna be a lot of, fight inside here, there's a lot of ladies that work and that's great. And my, and my wife works and all of those are good things. But their desire would be more to, man, more home time. I wish I could have. If you talk to her, you pull most ladies, okay? Working a lot, okay, whatever else, but they're going to wish, man, I wish I had more time towards that home, that inclination. And by the way, that's great. It's a good thing. Young men, career and moving towards that. 
So what's interesting is what God says is, and the way he corrects this is, he says, husbands, you need to love your wife. And in other words, constantly steer your heart back towards home is where I should be. Now, i got to work because I need to provide, and I'm going to be a provider. I'm going to be a strong provider. That's my responsibility. Amen? Now, again, if two people work. I'm not, I'm not bemoaning that. In a lot of cases, that's great. But God put it on the man as a responsibility to say, I'm going to figure out how to float and support this house. Now, maybe the, the wife helps, just like the husband should help with home and chores and different things like that. All of those things are good. But God says, okay, why don't you love your wife? I'm going to steer your desires back towards that home life where you should be, the family that God's given you. For the lady, what does he say? He steers you back and he says, I want you to submit and obey and trust and lean on your husband, which means that naturally we wouldn't want to do those things. Why are there so many guys that get a girl pregnant and just fly away? Because they're not naturally inclined back towards family life. It comes out like, well, I don't want to be chained down. I don't have time for that. You know, I'm trying to build my career, whatever, whatever. Okay, it comes out like that. But what they're saying is, is that I'm not designed, my inclination is not towards my family, my home life. So God's trying to correct that. For ladies, their inclination is not going to be towards leaning or supporting or trusting the husband that God has given them. So when God builds in faults, later on we look at Ephesians and he gives a command towards a husband, love your wives. He gives a command towards wives, which is love and submit towards your husband. Well, that's really interesting. It's because he knows where the fault lines are because he created them in us. And so it's important for us to know what those threats are because guys, look, you're going to be tempted to not want to go home to your family, like pick up that overtime to just not be in the house. Why? Because you'd rather not mess with it. Maybe you feel like you're not a good father or it's just annoying or they're loud or, or just because you love somebody doesn't mean that you like them, right? So you might love your kids dearly, but you don't like to be around them. That happens for a ton of fathers in our city and in, in our country, okay? And that's really, really, really unfortunate, okay? Ladies, you might not want to trust or to uh, confide in or to... Uh, desire to uh, listen to what your husband says. But just know this, that one day when you die and you stand before God, that your husband will need to answer for your family. You're going to be lined up before him at the judgment and God's going to say, okay, Ian, give me a report about what you did with the responsibilities and the opportunities that I gave towards the Paul family. That's a huge responsibility. Now, if you want to step in front and you want to say, oh, you know, I'll answer to God for that. Step in front of that. Okay, well, then that's fine. You're braver than, than most people would be. But just know that whenever God gives responsibility, he also gives an accounting. So we have a church here, Gospel Baptist Church. Pastor one day will have to stand before God and say, okay, I will give an account for the church that you entrusted to me. Now, I would, I would never want to run in front of pastors and say, hey, I'll be the one to give that account. Now, maybe if God leads me one day to pastoring a church, that's, that's great and that'll be exciting. But I'm not chomping at the bit necessarily to have that much responsibility under my care. But I know one thing, I'm responsible for Sarah, Samuel, Isaiah, and Allison. That's, that's my duty, my responsibility. And I'll have to answer to God one day for that. And so God gives us those, those uh, guideposts, basically. Are they popular according to our culture? No, but that's why that's threat number two. Our culture's pattern flies in the face of, of this. But I want to challenge you, if it flies in the face of what you believe, or if it gets you a little bit, uh, go to the Bible and read it. And be willing to say, okay, Lord, I'm willing to put my trust and my obedience in whatever you say. Now, again, we've said this a thousand times, but it bears repeating. Does that make one gender less important than the other one? No way. Ask any guy in here. Would you want to go through life without your wife? 
You can raise these kids. You can do all this other stuff. You know, you can, eh, no way. I, w- I wouldn't want that. Neither would you. And so we are extremely thankful for our wives and wives, we are extremely thankful for our husbands because that's who God gave us. But we need to understand where our faults are, where our roles are, and what God has encouraged us to be able to do. Let's look at as, as we go through this here. Um, an extramarital affair is an escape from reality or a search for fulfillment outside of the marriage. So any search for fulfillment. This is why it could be hobbies. And by the way, most often it's things like hobbies or entertainment, okay, or friends outside. Of, I just need my guide time or whatever else, okay. Um, and those things are great if you have girls that you get together and you drink coffee. You talk. I'm not against any of those things. What I'm saying is, is if you're doing that to try to find fulfillment or desires fulfilled outside of your marriage, and that's what it becomes uh, when it when it's, uh, becomes a problem. We'll look at these just because I left them in here. Um, activities, materialism, uh, career, uh, family. <clears throat> this would be obviously, we talked about this, but keeping your family outside of your house too involved in your life there and love affair. We are seduced by our culture into believing that we deserve complete fulfillment and perfect happiness. We talked about this last week and and this first portion carries over from some notes from last week, so I won't spend long on it. But again, a lot of times we we can get tricked into thinking that we deserve fulfillment or perfect happiness. There's a difference between perfect happiness and and contentment, okay? I should be content with what God has given me. Does that mean it's always fun or great? No. A lot of challenges, no matter who you're married to. A lot of challenges, no matter what family you have. But by God's grace, I'm going to be able to work through those. So society programs people in order, believing that we should always have complete fulfillment. Of course, that's a snare. Uh, People develop an improper perception of reality. Uh, People compare their expectations and fantasies to real life. And then people begin to question their reality and not their fantasy. Man, why am I with this person? Man, I wonder what it would be like if I wasn't. I wonder it would be like if I had more time for this or whatever else. Be careful of comparing um, your fantasies with reality. And then lastly, people escape. Um, People escape to extramarital affair uh, because, again, they've built it up in their mind uh, as something that's uh, worth having, okay? But ultimately, that will end someone up in isolation. Let's look at the last threat. We'll leave enough time for this one here. Threat five is selfishness. Selfishness. Now, typically, this is a fault that's built more into the heart of a man than into the heart of a woman. Again, this is why there's a lot more single moms than there are single dads. Because when push comes to shove, a mom would not say, I... I, I don't have time for that kid, okay? But a guy would, and that's terrible, okay? But sometimes there's a guys that are a lot more uh, selfish in their, um, in their life and such. Everyone has a natural tendency to be self-centered, destructive in our relationships. Man, well, that's encouraging, right? Um, be right there. Our culture promotes and encourages selfishness. And then let me give you C because I want to leave some time for what's on the other page here. We marry with stars in our eyes, um, and we do not see this reality. What is that reality? The reality that selfishness can cause. So I want to look at the next, the next page there. Look at these first two things here. During dating, there is usually little daily responsibility and pressure. Now, the exception to this, obviously, is at whatever point you started living, let's say that you were living together before you got married, Okay. It's in the past it happened, but if, if that was the case, then obviously you started to take on more responsibilities because you were cohabiting in the same place, okay? 
But when you're dating, man, you can, you can, after, you know, you go on a date, have a great time, you go home, she goes home, okay, if you remember those days, right? So a lot less pressure. There was, you didn't have the time to discover what was annoying about that person, right? Uh, you didn't know that maybe that they, you know, that they had bad morning breath or that, you know, that they, that their feet smelled bad or that they left articles of clothing in these places, right? Or that they had a bad habit of, of putting the toilet paper so it rolled from underneath instead of over the top. Why would anybody do that, right? So frustrating. But you didn't see those things before. And so you don't have that, that, uh, that um, responsibility and pressure. And then number two, this is what the, the point I have a couple of um, slides for. Early in the relationship, appreciation and approval are freely given. Here's what I mean by that. As our expectation goes up about what the other person should do, our appreciation for that person goes down. Guys, it is if you if you're in a situation, okay, where your wife is working and you're working, okay, or maybe she's not working but she's home. There's a couple of kids, you know, she's crazy busy, okay. It's probably wrong for you to expect that you come home to an always clean house and an always prepared meal. But a lot of times, guys can fall into that. Walk in, you know, first, hey, Kishwaya, hey, when are we eating? Okay, so it's a wrong expectation though. And so instead of coming in and man, uh, first say, hey, you know, uh, when do we eat? You know, instead it could be like, well, hey, what can I do to help you here? I know you, you might have been dealing with the kids or you might have also had a stressful day at work. You might also have had this, whatever it is. OK, so guys, let's be careful that as our expectation increases. And by the way, once you're married and you live together and you've lived together for a while, you've been married for a while, your expectation does go up. It's only natural, but be careful because the higher expectation rises of what this person must do, right? Or what they owe me. They don't owe you anything, right? I'm going to give 100%, even if my wife is currently putting out 10%, okay? I'm going to give 100%. So as my expectation goes up with my wife, though, my appreciation for what she does will go down. Do I appreciate that, you know, she will, you know, sometimes pack me a lunch, right? Or she'll do certain things to brighten up my day or she'll stop by and bring the baby by to the office, right? At lunchtime. So to see me for a little bit, do I appreciate those things or do I come just to expect those things? And I promise you, if your expectation of someone, well, you're supposed to do this, then your appreciation will go down. And the only time that you'll appreciate them, really think about this. The only time you appreciate somebody is when they do something that rises above the level of your expectation. Does that make sense? So when you're dating, man, your expectation was like nothing. You know, they make you a card or they just give you a text you know, or whatever else. And like, oh, your best girlfriend ever, you know, best boyfriend ever, whatever, you know, better than all my exes, like whatever. But as my expectation of them rises, it's harder for me to appreciate them. So naturally what we need to do is we need to tamper down our expectations and ramp up our appreciation. Now, I don't have to tell you this was in Thanksgiving time, thinking about what they do, you know, um, purposely writing down a couple of things, writing them a note that says certain ways in which you appreciate them, okay? That will help you to, to rise up in your level of appreciation for someone, okay? But just be careful because it's natural that as expectations rise, that also appreciation uh, plummets, okay? Um, look at it this way. And of course, there's a thousand different things, okay? But if I have high appreciation for somebody, it's because I have a low expectation. I'm not putting a bunch of hoops on them, okay? So we want to be in a spot where I have a high appreciation of them, but a low expectation of what they have to do, okay? So um, just be careful uh, about that. Selfishness robs, and this is the last thing you have to write in, and then we're going to make it personal here. But selfishness robs the relationship of its romance, 
Wow, man, that's, that's important. Selfishness robs the relationship of its romance. So again, the more I expect, the more selfish I am, the less I'm going to be romantic. And guys, we want our wives to be romantic, right? And so it's up to us to have a higher level of appreciation and a lower level of selfishness. Here's what I want you to do. Below there, this is making it personal. This is where you actually get to do some things that will help to lead towards valuable uh, life changes, right? Or important and crucial conversations. We talked about this, guys. I know that you hate doing this because, guys, we're not, we don't want to talk about things, right? But I want you to have conversations with your wife, three or four good ones throughout this series here. So here's what we do. Step one, circle the thread has, that has had the biggest impact on your marriage. Maybe you've gone through a hard year. I was talking with someone that they're like, I just need 2019 to be done because it's been a really rough year on their family. And I know where they're coming from. I understand it, okay? So you're going to circle one or two of those step ones there on the left-hand side. Is it pressure from outside people, outside family, okay, the culture or whatever, okay? Is it inevitable difficulties, sicknesses in the family, whatever else? That happens a lot, okay? Is it, is it your time's getting robbed, okay, by other attentions, entertainments or whatever? Or is it just selfishness on your part? Step two, rate how much each threat has affected your marriage. I want you to do this for each of the five threats. So if it's not really a threat in you, you can just put that it's a little threat, not very much at all, okay? A moderate or it's a significant threat. And here's the part that does take some time. Step three, write down the challenges that you have faced because of this threat. What does that mean? Here's what you're going to do. You're going to write down the ways in which this has negatively impacted you. Why? Because you want to take this to your spouse and say, hey, look, I believe that this has been a threat and either I've been prey to this or or I, I feel like maybe that you have or we've let this slip in, whatever, and let's talk about this thing. Because again, the only way to get knotted closer, okay, is through allowing um, God to work in your marriage, to have conversations back and forth. Because what I think can happen a lot of times is we have this class, you sit here, get some good stuff, you're convicted about things, okay? I get convicted about things and studying for this, okay? Me and my wife talk about the lesson, which means we work out a lot of our things on Fridays or Saturdays about this. So, like, we've already come through this by the time I get here on Sunday morning. Uh, but we say good stuff, we write it down or whatever else, and we leave from here, and you never talk about it again. So you have no idea what, what the other person is thinking, no idea what God's doing in the heart of the other person. And so, therefore, we don't go out any stronger than we were before. But the only way to really strengthen is you got to be able to say it, right? And sometimes, as guys, we have problems vocalizing things, right? Guys, I promise you this, your lady wants you to lead in this. She doesn't want to have to nag you and be like, hey, can we talk about that? Hey, can we you know, sit down? Can we talk about, you know, in class, we talk, we can talk or just dropping hints, you know, or whatever else. Um, or cook a good meal and be like, but first, got to talk about, you know, whatever it is. Uh, so just lead in that and allow uh, that to, to be able to work. Although that might be a good threat, right? Withhold a good dinner until, no, don't do that. 100, 100 and 100. Um, but take it personal. Uh, but follow up with this. Have a conversation with your spouse. I promise you it'll bring you uh, closer together. Let's do this. Um, I know that you guys have the full. Thank you for joining us for this week's lesson. The Home Improvement Podcast comes from lessons taught at the Home Improvement Couples Class, which is a ministry of Gospelite Baptist Church in Rio Rancho, New Mexico. We hope that you'll stop by and visit us if you're ever in the area. Thank you for listening, and remember to make God a bigger part of your home life this week.